Hey folks, I hope you're having a wonderful day because I've got a great podcast guest today. Her name is Christine McDonald. She's a former stripper, exotic dancer from the late 80s to the mid 90s, and she worked in Hawaii. Now, this podcast is really about trauma, addiction, and recovery. And she is the author of the book, Face Value, From Working the Pole to Bearing My Soul. Now, this is a book about her life and how she overcame all the obstacles to become a successful person in the business world. And she hopes to you know, share her story to help all of us out there who are struggling with, again, addiction, recovery, trauma, and for us to find our way. So if you're ready, let's get right into it. What if someone told you that you could learn the secret to happiness or success? Maybe you have an interest in mental health or the unknown, or even the desire to communicate with the dead. These are the real stories and encounters from the real people. And here's your host, Chuck Talk. Please remember to be a responsible pet owner and have your pet spayed or neutered. How is social media affecting you positively and then that negatively it can be two sides to every coin right <laughs> i know well it's it's interesting because we have the we meaning us human beings we have the choice to look at things through a healthy lens or through uh, a toxic lens and I think the older we get the more we realize that we have more power than we realize when we get, for me personally, I should say, when I get caught up in social media, very easy to do. I mean, I, I started my TikTok page a little over a year ago to to garner attention for my book. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I'm an addict. I, I'm in recovery, but I'm an addict. That DNA is in there. It's, it's the, the wiring in my brain. So social media lends itself to that very well. And that can be a good thing if I'm in the algorithm of good news of the day and feel good stories and I'm sitting there crying tears of joy. And then on the other side of the coin, there's the toxicity and all of those things. Well, right now, given the news of the world, it is very harmful for me because uh, there's no off switch. And so a perfect example with TikTok, it's four o'clock in the afternoon. I just got off work and all of a sudden it's 10 o'clock at night. And I'm thinking, oh my gosh, I haven't even had dinner. I've been on TikTok this whole time. So there, are, uh, it affects me in both ways. And I have to remember to rein it in. I have the control. I can simply close my laptop get off the apps. Yep. You know, that's the thing. Um, an addict or being addicted, a lot of times we think of it as, oh, an alcoholic addict or something else, and then it became a sex addict, but now it, it's social media. But an, an addiction mm -hmm. can almost be really anything. Um, and the one thing, the one word that you really said that we all really need to understand is choice. We do have a choice. Uh, you know, so let's kind of rewind and go way back to, we'll start like 1986, right before you're really mm -hmm. getting into the whole thing. So you're in Waikiki, you're in this paradise, beautiful. Mm -hmm. um, we are all at that time young and feeling good. How and why did you get into, um, well, I'll just say stripper dancing, um, Sex work industry, sex work yeah. Industry. So mm -hmm. 
uh, how, how did it happen? How did it happen? Uh, I was on the beach in Waikiki. I was 19 years old. And uh, with one of my dear, dear friends, and that is a whole, that's an interesting story. You'll have to get the book to really learn all about Angela. But Angela was dating the same person that I was dating. But she was living in L.A. at the time. Mm. And that's all I'm going to say. We ended up becoming great friends, kicked the guy out, and then she moved in. Because, you know, girl's girl. Yeah. So we're on the beach. She's this beautiful perfect, gorgeous blonde. She gets approached to do a wet t-shirt contest. The guy has, remember it's the late eighties, really, really tight curls, mullet. What, what was he wearing? Hot pink speedos. I mean, it was like something out of a movie. It was so funny. He was a character and he's got these flyers for booze cruises and all these things and comes up to my girlfriend, Angela and says, Hey, you want to make a hundred bucks? And she says, tell me more. How do I make $100? Like, what's the catch? And he says, well, just if you enter this wet t-shirt contest, you have a chance at making 100 bucks." So she looked at me. She looked at the guy. And she says, what do you think? And I said, yeah, do it. Why not? I'll, I'll go there and support you. She says, I'll do it if she does it. She's talking to Mr. Speedo. And uh, he said, okay. And so we ended up going to this bar called the Lollipop Lounge in Waikiki. And from that night, which by the way, I won the contest mm. mm-hmm. random. I found my, I found my home in the desensitate. What's the word I'm looking for? Uh, when you're desensitized yeah. to uh, the bullying and, and all the bad things, a little bit above a background with my story. Uh, I had a horrific skin disease, uh, tons of scars on my face. I've had nine surgeries since then just to remedy the scarring. So my self-worth was at an all-time low. So that evening when I got my first dollar bill on stage, 100% just for how I looked, I was home. I was home. This is validating my beauty. And so for someone who's so young, right? 19 years old, no self-esteem, somebody giving you a dollar bill for how you looked. That's And then, of course, the cocaine factor. That's all I could think about. Money, beauty, or what I thought was beauty, right? The superficial stuff. And um, drugs. And it was all like, you know, tell me another job that you can do cocaine and have a beer and make hundreds of dollars. I was, I was sold. You know, can I jump in and say that that is the one thing I think that has not changed and will never change over the millennia is that self um uh now i lost the the word that i want to use but if we have that lower or low self-esteem and Mm -hmm, somebody mm -hmm. gives you money or pays attention to you it validates it validates you and you feel that you have self-worth where Mm -hmm. it's a false sense of um security it's security yeah i get that i get that that's the one thing that just is not ever going to change um sorry i interrupted i just wanted to throw no no not at all not at all and i agree with you especially in this i mean you know there was no internet back in the day there were no there was no filter and now what i think about and and the reason why i wanted to share my sport story specifically for young people and 
you know, women, I think, um, and men too, but I think mostly women with the makeup filters and all these things, there's a false um, idea of what beauty is. Yes. So if anybody is struggling, thinking that they need to have the perfect nose, or I've, I've been reading things about getting, have you heard about this? Women are removing the fat underneath their cheekbones to get that hollowed in look. It's called buccal fat, buccal fat removal. I think it's B-U-C-C-A-L. So things like that, just to sort of fit in and to feel beautiful, it's it's just reached a whole new level, you know? Yeah. So you're right. You're absolutely right. It doesn't go away. Yeah. I, I'm not. A and then and then who's making the rules too? Like where does it come from? Like who's the who is saying what's beautiful or not? Because if you fly to India, right, or or um, I can't remember the country where, where large women are sexy, very large women. And I, I want to say it's it's uh, somewhere in India, but I, I could be mistaken. But I was watching a documentary on that, and I thought it was really interesting. Like, who is to say what's beautiful or not? But I think in this country, 100%, it, go, it ebbs and flows. I mean, just you can look at makeup trends, right? And you can see that the, the, the women in the 20s had those pencil-thin eyebrows. Mm-hmm. And then guess what comes back around in the 90s? pencil thin eyebrows what's trending right now groucho marx eyebrows you know <laughs> the brooke shields eyebrow from the yes. so you're right it just ebbs and flows and that buckle fat remover removal is permanent oh which is wow. freaky to me that women are surgically in making these changes that you can't reverse you know oh. um yeah. and probably this is just my assumption um it almost seems like it's more Western culture um, that the women yeah. and men putting maybe false sense of a portrayal of something beautiful. I'm saying men as well. Uh, men mm-hmm. making women think that that's how they have to look, but women thinking that that's how they have to look because they're looking at whatever it is, magazines and things. But I, yeah. I don't know if that's the way it is in the uh, Eastern culture, but I have heard that. I think it's China that some of the women are starting to do that now that with the, the cat eye things or. Uh, oh, I've heard that. Yeah, yes. And they're changing the shape of the face. But anyhow, back to the 80s in uh, Waikiki Beach and that wet T-shirt contest. You win. Now you're getting dollar bills and and then more dollar bills. Um, yeah. That, that yeah. put you on a. Um, I imagine that puts you on a, a natural high because, you know, you're yes. acknowledged for your beauty, like you said. And then um, did you get into drugs at that time? More so. Mm. More so. Uh, I got into drugs after uh, starting at age 16. Oh, my skin disease started at 13, 14. Mm-hmm. I had my first surgery, which was under general anesthetic called a dermabrasion, not to be confused with microdermabrasion. These are old fashioned antiquated surgeries that I don't even think they do anymore. But what they do with this surgery is they put you under general anesthetic and they grind your skin down using a wire bristle or brush. And so your entire face is a scab. And you cannot see the sun. And in fact, that's in my book. I have photos um, from that surgery. But um, so that can give you an idea of where my mindset was, right? I just wanted to escape. I wanted to numb my pain. But because of the surgery, 
painkillers, right? Mm-hmm. So that was amazing. I was like, oh, I'll have to do is pop this pill. So I got into pills a little bit, but it was hard to get back in the day. I have to say cocaine was easier to get. And with cocaine, I got the confidence yeah. that I was lacking. And it's all superficial. You know, it's it's not organic, but that's when it started. And then when I found this career in the sex work industry where nobody batted an eye when you're doing cocaine. So, yeah. So to answer your question, yes, it just increased mm. exponentially. And I was I was dating a dealer. So it was very helpful. And yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, would you say in your guesstimation, um, then and now, perhaps that um, majority of the gals, women that get into the um, sex industry, dancing, have a lower self-esteem of themselves? Tricky question, yeah. because I don't want to speak for them. Mm-hmm. I will say that in my experience, they're, the women that find the pole, the women that find that life, have survived something, mm-hmm. whether it's trauma related to um, sexual abuse or, uh, you know, whatever their journey is, whatever their road is, it's knocked them down emotionally in, in, in a way that maybe they're not even aware of, right? I've also worked with women that really, to me, seemed like they had their heads on straight and they just needed to make some extra money. There was a, I'll never forget a kindergarten teacher she was so sweet. She didn't do drugs. She didn't even drink. She just came into work, did her shift, made tons of money and left. I was so in awe of her. I'm like, how can you do that? There's a party going on, you know? So I would say yes and no. But yeah, there's another reason why I wanted to write the book, because there's so much stigma in the regarding the sex work industry. And yes, it is sex work, even though we don't provide sexual acts to customers. Uh, But, you know, we're selling the fantasy of sex. We're selling the fantasy of that, the illusion, right? Gee, I'm glad you led me into asking you this because now I'm finding a perfect spot. We just asked about the self-esteem of the the sex workers, the gals, the dancers, Mm -hmm. not the guys that go in there. Is there anything, what is that, model uh, of the the gentlemen the guys that mm. can, is there anything that you can say to that do you think they had a self-esteem problem or do they have this more of a problem of um machismo is not the right word but you know taking control i get it ego 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 yeah 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 i get that um you know it's i, I don't want a blanket statement the customers yeah. that come in and in fact i do say uh, there is a part in the in the book face value about the um the top three or four types of customers you, you have your married man you have your college uh kid you have uh bachelor parties you have general just uh, somebody that's lonely and just wants affection and attention and you know so there's all sorts as many people that thumb through Pornhub are as diverse as the people that are in in the um in the strip clubs in the strip bars and the majority of them honestly I, I feel like they just 
want company. And, and if you're out and you're by yourself or with your buds and you want to see some beautiful women and maybe ha- buy them a drink and talk with them, have at it. Have a good time. Just treat them with respect, you know? So that is good to say because of the fact that now we have established, and I think that we know that whether you're a uh, dancer, a, a stripper, or you're you're the customer, the client that comes in, it could be any one of us. It doesn't matter. We don't have a look. You just don't yeah. know whether you're an addict or um, a customer. A customer could be an addict as well. They could be addicted to going to those clubs. So again, mm-hmm. addiction encompasses everyone and everything. And as you were saying at the beginning, we just need to be able to look at it and understand that we've crossed that line and now we've had, we are an addict. Um mm-hmm. you you went through and you stopped dancing in 1996 was it? Mhm. Yep. Uh, what made you get out and then let's go on to your book and why you really want to help people and erase any type of stigma. Okay. Well, do you remember being in your late 20s and thinking, "Oh my gosh, I'm going to be 30." And then kind of taking stock, like to me, the the number 30, the age 30, for some reason, I had it in my head that I was supposed to be married with kids at a house and all these things. And here I am taking my clothes off for a dollar in Waikiki. None of that was even on my radar. And I thought, okay, I think I was 28 years old. So when you're staring down the barrel of a new decade, and I had no college degree, like nothing to show for it except these party experiences. Um, that's sort of the genesis of what made me really take a look at my life. And also I was so burnt out. I was so tired of waking up hungover and sometimes waking up, not knowing where I parked my car, which is shameful, really, really shameful. Uh, sometimes waking up, not knowing who was next to me and all of those things, of course, I'm not blaming stripping at all, but it's just part of the life that I was living. And so in my young mind, I thought, well, I need to get off of this island. I need to start fresh. I need to move away from this life in order to create a new one for myself. And I did, but the addiction didn't go anywhere. And you have to read the rest in the book. Oh, I love that. A cliffhanger. (laughs) But, you know, you're you're right. Um, You could take yourself out of that situation, out of the situation, but that addiction is inside of you. It goes with you no matter where you go. You can't run away from it. So if somebody out there is listening or watching and they're thinking, well, all I need to do is leave my surroundings, that can help. But you got to understand, if you're an addict, that's part of your baggage. It's your luggage and it's with you. So... So true. One of, one of the first lines in one of the chapters is everybody has baggage. People that say otherwise are smuggling their carry on. I love that. They just are. Everybody has baggage. So your baggage will find you. Your baggage will find you. If you think you're just throwing it off at the curb and flying off the island and, or flying away from your hometown, it will find you. And that's what happened with me. Yeah. So, yeah, for sure. And, and think about it this way. If you're calling it baggage and you're on a plane, it the bag doesn't go f- and find you, really. You go looking for it. So mm-hmm. if you leave it, you know, you're going to go look for it until you've fixed it or, you know, until you've emptied that bag. So, 
And also, too, when you're not focusing on when I should say we, when we as a whole don't focus on our why, on the reasons why we have this baggage, sometimes we don't even see it as baggage. It's just our new, it's our normal. It's not even our new normal. It's just the toxic life that we're living is all that we know. Mm. In other words, uh, I was dating somebody once that was a, a very, very poor choice. But in my mind, I didn't know any different because that's how I was raised. The template of my childhood was uh, narcissistic abuse and all of those things. But I'll never forget, I was in therapy and I was talking to my therapist about all of a sudden, this is after the toxic partner and I broke up, everything was very quiet and it was very unsettling. My phone wasn't blowing up. There was no, there were no fires to put out. And she said, you're experiencing peace. I thought, wow, okay, that's new. So people, some people don't even recognize that they even have the baggage until they start really unpacking it. Mm -hmm. If we want to stick with this metaphor. Right? <laughs> yeah. But, you know, going with that, you're right. I mean, oftentimes, and then the, sometimes I think the problem that people have, and this again is just kind of generalizing, mm. is when you get to that point, it's peace and it's quiet, you may think there's something wrong because yes. you're not, that's not what you're used to. Mm -hmm. and, and you want to look out, you want to find the trauma, mm -hmm. you want to find the, you want to find the drama and the trauma because that's all you know. Yeah. And if that is all you know, then that means that's home. So for me, my home, my, you know, my North Star was toxic. So I had to undo, unravel all of that hard wiring in my brain because um, abuse isn't love. Right. And I'm talking verbal, physical. That's not love, but I thought it was. I thought that they love me so much that they want to control me, that kind of a thing. Do you know what I mean? Like that warped type of thinking. So. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. You know, what's striking me right now is at the beginning you were saying, you know, you don't have, you're not a counselor type person, you're not a psychiatrist or anything. You don't have a degree in any of that, right? Oh, heck no. <laughs> And the way you're explaining and telling us about everything is real world situations and real world experiences. And that's what we need, I think, as as a society, as a whole, to hear something from somebody who has experienced this. If we want to call it trauma um, or whatever we want to call it, you've experienced it firsthand and you're letting us know this is how I handled it. This is what happened to me. Now, whether it's the same for all of you. There's a similarity in there somewhere that you can relate to. And I love what you're telling us right now. It's, um, it's eye-opening. So, so go get the book, people. Yeah. Oh, let me show you. Can I show yeah. you? Yeah. Face right, value, so here, right? Can you, is it backwards or can you see it? Um, it's right. It's the right way for me. I'm it's the right way. Okay. Because I, I, I'm very excited that I just learned about the whole mirroring thing. Did oh. you know about that in the video? <laughs> you yeah. can switch it from mirror to that. I'm like, oh, no, it's not backwards. <laughs> so, yeah, face value, which is a really um, not so uh, tongue-in-cheek way of saying your, your beauty is not just on the external. It is the internal. And from working the pole to bearing my soul. That's yeah. that's the name of the book. So a lot of fun 80s photos, a lot of fun stories. You know, there's trauma in there, but make no mistake. It was one of the best decades of my life. <laughs> I 
know I'm only 54 and I don't know how many more I have to go, but man, I have to say my 20s were a lot of fun, even though it was wrapped in uh, in a blanket of toxicity. Uh, I will say 80s was the best decade and there will never be anything yes. like the 80s. Yeah. The music. Oh, the music. Oh, the music. Well, it, you know... Strike this, but I'm going to say it. Sex, drugs, and rock and roll in the 80s. Yeah, I know. It sounds so weird to say, but it's true. We didn't have fentanyl. We didn't have the internet. We didn't have cell phones. We didn't have YouTube. All the things that, you know, can contribute to those, oh my gosh, those shame spirals now. You know, because everybody makes mistakes when they're young. I mean, heck, we all make mistakes now. But back, you know, when we're in our, in our youth, there was something magical about that time for us at Gen Xers because we were in the moment, mm-hmm. you know, you can walk on into an elevator and, you know, now everybody's looking at their phones. Nobody's making eye contact. So yeah, the sex, drugs, rock and roll, that's a template for, it was an amazing time. It was. I'm going to add one more word to that debauchery because it was. Yes. Hey, if you're in LA, if you well, you know, I won't even have to say that, but if you're anywhere in the in West Coast or extreme East Coast America <laughs> at that time, yes. you would experience sex, drugs, rock and roll, and debauchery. And you know, the difference I think it seems like is that maybe perhaps more people owned up to whatever they did or the mistakes perhaps back then. Um I don't know if owning up to it is the right word, but um there was no there was still shaming, but there wasn't shaming like there is today, like the kids go mm, through. Mm-hmm. Um, and perhaps it could be because of, you know, you were saying we didn't have the internet and things like that back at that time, or at least it's not like it is now, um, where Johnny and Susie went to a club and Susie hooked up with another guy. You know, back then it would be just like, do you see what that did? Today it's snap, snap, snap on the phone and You're all right. Two seconds later, it's up there. But wait a second. She actually didn't hook up with him. He was going through some traumatizing situation, and she was just comforting him. But now yeah. the fire has started, and everybody is going in the yeah. right direction. Yeah, it's true. And the Internet is forever, you know? It's, yeah. it's When it's out there, it's out there. But, you know, and on the same lines, too, you were just talking about how um, – uh, People can be misperceived. Is that the word I'm looking for? Uh, misconstrued online, right? But back in our day, we didn't have that. And then, you know, everybody Googles. I'm a I'm a archaeologist. I created that word because I call it archaeology because I Google everything. And back when we didn't have the internet or Google, we would just say, "Oh yeah, who who played that? Mo- what was that movie called?" It's okay. And then we just moved on. Yeah. Like now I have to know. I go online and I'm like, I have to know. So yeah, interesting differences between yes. then and now for sure. And I'm glad and I'm glad I'm a Gen Xer man. I'm I'm very happy not to be in those tender, tender ages of thirteen, fourteen, fifteen during this time. This is tough. It is. Yeah. Um, so with the experiences that you went through and you know, self esteem and things like that, and we're talking now about thirteen, fourteen year old mainly mm-hmm. girls, what kind of advice can you give them as far as um, building or having self-esteem, self-worth for themselves? Don't compare yourself. Do not compare yourself. There's only one 
you and your flaws are your flavor. Your flaws are what is part of who you are. And instead of looking at something that you, you maybe you think you have a big nose or you have crooked teeth, like I have my bottom crooked teeth. Instead of thinking that it's a flaw, just think of it as your flavor. This is part of who you are. It makes you part of who you are. And don't think that um, the grass is always greener because I'm telling you 95% of the time, it's AstroTurf, mm. right? It's not real. Yeah. It's, it's fabricated. It's, it's embellished. So if you focus so much on other people rather than how you can make yourself a better person, and beauty obviously comes from within, and we know that through age. But for young women, my number one piece of advice is just to not compare yourself and to follow the examples of people that are older than you. And if you don't have a healthy template as a parental unit, uh, try and log, uh, latch on to someone who, who has a sense of self-worth. Don't surround yourself with shallow people. Surround yourself with people who are the real deal. Those are all really, really good and helpful tips, Christine. Uh, one thing I want to also add on that too, um, with what you're saying is, it is hard not to compare yourself or to look at somebody else and say, oh my gosh, he or she is so good looking or, or they have this or they have that. And I wish I had, I wish I was like that. The one thing to keep in mind is what you're seeing is one thing. Mm -hmm. We are all made up of more than just one thing. So you might take a look at that movie star, rock star, or somebody down the street and say, you know, she's so beautiful. And I'm such a whatever. I wish I was like that. Well, guess what? You don't know what her other qualities are because you're just looking at that one thing and saying to yourself, I wish I was like that. And like We're you said, all in recovery from something. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. As you said, if you say you have no baggage, you, you, you're, you're smuggling your carry on. <laughs> when you carry on. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. <laughs> Is there it's well, back to your book again. You can get your, you can pick up your book, Face Value, uh, mm -hmm. on Amazon. It's probably the easiest place to pick that up, right? Again, the mm -hmm. full title is Face Value: From Working the Pole to Bearing My Soul. Yep. So by Christine McDonald, not mm -hmm. McDonald. So, oh, thank you so much for saying that. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> we kind of touched on this, and I just want to ask you just this one last question, if you don't mind: Is have you moved past stigma of being a, a a stripper, the, you know, your own mental stigma, uh, your own mental self-worth and value. H have you moved past? Are you, are you doing okay? And because you are a professional career woman now, um, you have a tremendous smile on your face. So you got to be super happy with everything. I am. So, I am. Thank you for asking. Uh, I, I have no stigma anymore. I have no shame anymore because of the people that I have surrounded myself with. And when I share my story, of course, now it's very public, but I, I wrote my mm -hmm. book, it took me 15 years to write. And that was a component that was a, there was shame involved. I was working uh, for a different company that I'm working for now. I'm an executive assistant for anyone that's curious. Um, and I didn't, I was so worried that I would get found out, like uh, caught. Mm -hmm. I, I felt like I was going to get caught 
because I had so much shame because it's sex work and there's a lot of people out there that have this blanket opinion and idea and everyone has a right to their opinions. I don't have that anymore. And I don't know if it's because the book is out or if I'm just 15 years older. I think it's a combination <laughs> of both because I think after you reach 50 for me personally, I'm, I'm 54. I'm going to be 55 on November 9th. I'm very excited to hit that double nickel. And aging is a privilege, and I honestly did not think I was going to see that age. So I'm very, very happy to be turning another year older. But as soon as you reach that age, for me, I just don't care. I, you know, if you don't like something about me, that's okay. You know, I, I'm not, I'm not for you, and, and maybe you're not for me. But yeah. So to answer your question, I'm such a long-winded person. I'm sorry. I just don't have the energy to worry about what other people think. There are so many lessons to be had um, and, you know, to, to be learned from everything that you're saying, because every time you say something and you I'll say you're, you're long-winded answer. <laughs> I'm not saying you're long-winded. There is always something, at least all of a sudden is in my head. It's like, wow, there is a lesson right Thank there. You. So, you know, if your book is anything like with what you're saying, there is so much that people are going to learn um, about themselves, not about you, but about themselves. So thank you. Um, thank you so much. I'm, this has been a joy. It's been so much fun to talk with you. And and to, to piggyback on your what you're saying, I am receiving private messages on social media from housewives from some women in their 60s, from young spicy dancers that are currently working in the clubs. That's a whole other conversation. They call me Auntie Kiki, and they say, thank you for not judging us. Thank you for not, you know, it's just the book is touching people in a way that is so, what's the word I'm looking for? Validating for me. Because it is, it's a unique story. But the message is universal. It's all about self-worth. Yes. It's all about self-worth. Yeah. And we have to understand that it's not an overnight cure. Mm -hmm. You know, like you said, 15 years later, yeah. you're feeling great. It could take you two years, two months, 15 years. Yeah. There's no time limit. As long as you're making an effort and working towards that, mm -hmm. you know, that goal, yep. you're on your way. Yep. Be a good person. Yeah. 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 Christine. Thank you very much. And again, it's Christine MacDonald, M-A-C. Mm -hmm. So you can find Christine McDonald's book. Uh, Amazon's the best place to go. And again, it's face value from working the pole to bearing my Thanks soul. Thanks so much. I appreciate it.